0: This podcast may contain language that people may find offensive and stories of a mature nature. The stories from this episode date back to 2012 and the world has changed a little bit since then and so have my views on life. Enjoy. Do what makes you happy. That's something my parents have always said to me and I wasn't happy being stuck in England when returning home from my first season working in Sunny Beach. However, I always felt a slight pang of guilt as I was always missing out on spending time with my family and I know that it upset my mother that her youngest child not being home and also I was missing out on watching my niece grow up for 5-6 to six months of the year so I did have to weigh up my options. You have to have a slight streak of selfishness to work abroad especially when you do, you've done as many seasons as I did and you have to stay completely commitment free. That being said, I've worked with some people in the past who've had kids back home whilst they're partying away for the season. Not something I really understood, however, but each to their own. I'm glad that I did return for the 2012 season, however, as I was joining the biggest nightclub in Sunny Beach, DGV, or Denglada Viking as some people know it, and here's the beginning of season number two. The time had finally come, May 2012. Nine months of wishing my time away, I was finally on my way back out to paradise. It's got to be noted that with wishing time away so much, I'd banged on a load of weight on in between my first and my second season. This this was probably due to sitting on my Xbox 24-7 like a virgin, eating endless packets of chocolate digestives and being inactive, but I'd been itching all winter to get, get back out to Sunny Beach uh, to do my second season, where I felt like I'd belonged um, as people back home who would who hadn't experienced working abroad didn't really understand. And to this day, unless you've done it, I think it's very hard to speak to about about it to somebody, and people who you do speak to about it usually don't understand it at all. It's like I could have walked down the streets of my hometown, and if I walked past 100 people, I'd probably know a maximum of 10 to 15. But if I walked down the streets of Sunny Beach, I pretty much knew everybody, and I was part of the furniture. It sounds daft, but that part of not being in Sunny Beach was one of the hardest things that I had to get to grips with. My friend had given me a lift to Luton Airport where I met up with Wotsey before my flight. Before I get into that, I'll give you a quick rundown of him. Wotsey was a rugby playing lad from the southwest of England. I met him on my first season and we became acquainted by insulting one another until eventually we did become friends. Not much of a heavy drinker and would never drink in the daytime as he said that it affected his selling. But we all knew that that was a load of bollocks um, and it was in fact because he was a lightweight. He's also the man who swayed me into joining DGV and we've remained friends ever since. Often a bad influence back in 2012, we made some bad decisions while in one another's company, which you're going to hear a lot about in the coming episodes. When I had arrived at Luton Airport, I met up with Watsy and Nips... ...and we had a party crew staff on the same flight as us... ...so it was nice to see some old faces... ...and also meet up with some new ones too. The boat party staff was also on the same flight as us... ...who we also got friendly with as well. The drinks were flowing and we boarded the plane... ...and I'll never forget Watsy on that flight. He was shit scared of flying... ...and at first I thought he was taking the piss... ...as he would repeat... ...it's not fucking funny Byron, stop fucking laughing as we was taking off the runway, but it soon became clear that he wasn't taking the piss when I saw the dread in his face and he was squeezing my hand for dear life because he was that nervous. Nips would chime in with the old, what are you so scared about, Watsy? If we crash, we'll die anyway, which didn't make the situation any easier for the poor lad as his hands were on his ears, literally like this, eyes closed, rocking backwards and forwards, but once in the air, he calmed down and we was on our way. After a classic whiz-air rocky landing, we'd arrived at Borgas Airport, which was only about a 30, 30 minutes or so drive away from the resort, and the company had picked us up. I'm pretty sure that it was early in the afternoon when we'd arrived at our accommodation, and it was slap-bang centre in the middle of Sunny Beach, and it was called Hotel Zornitsa, which has since renamed As we had arrived in early May, Zornitzer was our accommodation until their hotel was fully booked up at the start of June, where we'd we'd eventually be moved on. But for the location, it was perfect, as it was only around a three-minute walk away from the club, a minute away from the strip, and there was bars and restaurants all around it. It had a pool area, a restaurant on site, it had a bar area on site, and the owner was friends with the owner of the owners. Sorry. The owners of our club was friends with the owner of the hotel, so they'll let us use the TVs in the bar area for FIFA tournaments, drinking games and stuff like that, and the bar staff will often get involved with us as we had a discount in there on the booze. The rooms were a bit basic, but they were equipped with a decent bathroom, a decent sized balcony, a TV what looks like it was from the 1980s, the big chunky fuckers, and a mini bar slash fridge. I was rooming up with Watsy, who I discovered lived like a fucking pig back in 2012 and I felt like his mother most of the time cleaning up after him but we did have a great laugh even if, it, even if he was an animal. The first couple of weeks in, in the 2012 season was more like a holiday than working and I was about to get familiar with my new habitat. The place all the staff who worked there in 2011 was banging on about and it was time to see what the hype was really all about at DGV. Like I said in the previous episode, I joined Party Square, who are now called Sunny Beach Takeover, who are the events company at DGV, and my job in 2012 was a ticket seller for Party Square. The first night in resort in 2012, Watsy had taken me into the chill-out bar of DGV, which was the only bar which was open in the club, as it was really early in the season, and there was hardly any tourists knocking about, and it was time to finally meet my boss for the season, Micka. I've met a lot of people in my time over in Sunny Beach, but Mika was one of the funniest and strangest people I did meet out there. He was a Swedish fella, uh, who at first came up across a bit formal. He came up to me with the old, Hi, I'm Michael, welcome to the team. But the man was far from innocent, as I was going to learn as the season went on. His assistant manager was a lovely Danish bloke called Jeppe who ran the events in the evenings. So, so far, so good. The people in charge of me were both top blokes. Mika would then get me my drinks card sorted and explain to me that we wouldn't be working too much for the next couple of weeks, as the resort was quiet, and we'd only have to do a few hours in the evening selling free bars. I would then meet the rest of the management, the club manager, Pimp. Pimp was a Danish fellow who was quite the wild man when he had a drink in him, and you always knew when he was leathered because he put on this fishing hat which had like a fish running through it. There is a reason he's called Pimp as well, which I'll get onto a little bit later. The assistant club manager, Pans, he was also a Danish, a Danish fella who I vaguely remembered from the season before and he'd always say hello in two th- to me in 2011 when passing in the streets. I also met the bartenders who were pretty much all Danish. Me, Watsy, and the rest of the Brits were the minority British back in the DGV in 2012, as it was originally a Scandinavian club until all the Brits rocked up into the resort in 2013-2014, which again, as the series goes on, we will get into. I could see how happy everybody who worked here was in one another's company, which I wasn't used to when I worked for Iceberg and everybody just seemed happy at DGV. I was given my scannable drinks card along with other details of how it all worked and what allowances I had on the card, which was three buckets, well three of the buckets of alcohol and 20 leves worth of alcohol per day on top of that. Or I could have a 70 lever alcohol allowance to which I did choose the buckets as I remember the staff from 2011 who worked for the Viking were absolutely twatted on the buckets in the streets and I wanted a bit of that. On my first night, and pretty much the first few nights of me being in the Viking, however, managers, management were just throwing shots, shots and alcohol around for fun. I couldn't really believe what I was seeing. I was getting shots thrown down my neck, buckets of alcohol galore, there was people up on the bar dancing to sing along songs like Wonderwall and The Summer of 69, there was ridiculous drinking games, and this was all just from the staff. The tourist who was in the in the chill out bar with us at the start of the season absolutely loved it as well. I was introduced to a new drink in the midst of all the madness by a friend. It was called hockey. One bucket one bucket of hockey would contain around three to five hundred millilitres of vodka, depending on how strong that you wanted it. Topped up with sprite, a lashing of Red Bull, finished with a, a drop of grenadine, which turned it into a, like a purpley colour. It looked like fizzy Vimto, but Christ alive, did it get you pissed? I was addicted to this sweet purple bucket of joy from the first swig and after around three buckets, Ben Duffy, who was literally Mr Viking in 2011-2012, said to me, are you having fun mate? To which I'd replied, it's fucking madness in here. And then he'd come back to me with, this is only the chill out bar, wait until the other five bars open. Do you want to show me around? So off me and Ben went into the main area of the club and he wasn't joking when he said there was five other bars. There was four areas of DGV, actually. Area 1, which had two bars in, which was bar 5 and bar 1, which was like on a balcony level, and then and one on the level below. There was then a big shutter gate, which opened as the season got busier, which was the home to bar 2 and bar 4. And at the back of the club, there was another huge metal shutter, which would open up high, in the high season, which contained bar 3. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The place was fucking huge. And when I say bars, I don't mean like little shitty bars where five to ten people could stand up to order drinks. All of these bars was fucking massive. And I was left thinking, this place must be fucking crazy when it's all opened up. So we went back into the bandus where we carry on drinking in the chill out bar. And I was absolutely buzzing. School would be shouted at the tops of voices of the management, which translated to cheers in English from Scandinavian, and I was getting Viking delicacies poured into shot glasses in front of me. The first one was a drink called Fisk, which translates to fish, which is a few packets of fishermen's friends thrown into a blender with a bottle of vodka and chilled. And though it might sound disgusting, it was actually a really tasty shot, and if you had a a sore throat or no voice, it somehow magically helped you gain it back again. Another shot at DGV, which has since been finished, was called Viking Water, which was like a green, thick shot, which people often described as mouthwash and a quiet taste, but nevertheless, it got you fucked up. One thing I could never get my head around at first was the amount of grown Scandinavian men drinking Bacardi breezes like it was normal. I'd asked the bartenders why everybody was drinking a girl's drink and he looked at me like I was the girl for not drinking it and said it's normal in here for everybody to drink Breezers before throwing one into my hand. Breezers for some reason are like catnip to DGV staff and everybody drinks them. That's just the way it was and I enjoyed them eventually, especially pineapple. Another drink that I'd never tasted which was all the rage with the Scandinavians around 2012 was a drink called Mokai. This was a bottled cider with a hint of elderflower, which was, really, it was a really different taste, but it was lovely at the same time. I've not seen a bottle of MacKay in years now, and unfortunately, they never made, made their way into the UK. After not having the slightest idea of how I got home, that was the first night done, and I'd wake up, turn over, to see Watsy's hairy ass staring at me in the face, from the bed which was at the other side of the room. That was another thing that, about Watsy as well. He slept naked. I'm glad that I took paracetamol because my head was fucking throbbing and he asked me if I I enjoyed my first night at DGV. Stupid question. We'd meet up with Mika and pick up our uniforms for the season which were the most basic blue t-shirt which said party boss written across the, the pocket area at the front and party square staff written on the back. But that was pretty normal to have a shite uniform back in 2012. Like I mentioned, there wasn't many tourists knocking around, so we only had to do a few hours in the evening selling free bars until things started picking up in the resort. If I remember correctly, it was around 10-15 levs for an hour's worth of unlimited free drinks, which was like 4 to 6 pounds back then, so you can imagine how easy it was to sell. Before our first night of work, Mick had told us that we had to meet in the afternoon for a blessing from the local priest, which at first I thought was a massive wind-up, as how can you... <laughs> How can you get somebody holy into a nightclub which has so much sin being committed inside, but he wasn't joking, as I was soon to discover. I arrived at the club for the blessing, really not knowing what to expect, as this was a madhouse in the evening, and what I seen next, I really wasn't expecting. There was like a makeshift altar in the middle of the club, and all the members of staff was holding a candle in both hands. It looked like an indoor KKK rally at first, but I later understood that Bulgaria is a Christian country and they are actually quite religious. Fair play. I got given a candle and I stood with it as the priest did his ritual in Bulgarian, which was then translated by one of our Bulgarian managers into English. What the fuck is going on, I thought to myself, whilst trying not to look at my mates, as I knew that... That would only lead to a shit you know, a shitload of laughter, and I'd probably get my ass handed handed to me for being disrespectful as the Bulgarian staff were taking this really seriously. So the next thing you know, the priest is belting out a couple of Christian songs slash poems in Bulgarian, and he's got what looks like a massive leaf from a palm tree that is dipped in this big font of water which is wafting around the club and wafting it towards us staff. This is the point where I really tried my hardest not to laugh and be disrespectful, as I saw another one of the lads get the death stare for his phone going off by one of the Bulgarian boys. So I knew that this was not the time for jokes. I'm just glad that the water, what came from from the the big wafting leaf, didn't extinguish my candle, because then what was was I meant to do? Stand there like a lemon with an unlit candle in both hands? Does that mean I'm not blessed? Anyway, after around half an hour of listening to the priest, he explained to us that he was here to bless the club and each of its members of staff to have a safe season and at the end of it return home safely to wherever they came from. And to be fair, it did make sense and you felt good after it. Once the priest had finished, we had formed an orderly queue to the font where he'd whack us with the palm leaf with holy water to bless us individually and then we'd kiss his ring. Yes, I'm not joking here. We kissed the ring on his finger, and then we'd make our way our way to this huge loaf of bread, which we had to tear off and dip into this massive pot of honey, which was really fucking nice. Take that from a fat lad. Although this sounds bizarre, this actually did happen at the start of the season, every season at DGV. And I never had any harm done against me in in that club. Through the years, so to speak, so maybe the blessing actually worked, or maybe it was just a coincidence. Who knows? But the bread was really nice, and the heat from all the candles did actually get me looking like a melted candle with the amount of beads of sweat what was running off my head as well. But I'd come in, I had come out of the blessing looking like I'd just ran a marathon. Now that I was blessed, it was time to start work for DGV, selling free bars in an, in the evening. Three words to describe this: piece of piss. This was usually the job of the night staff at the club, but because they wasn't required at the start of the season in 2012, the day staff, who usually sold the events, did the night shifts at the start of the season. The two main differences between day staff and night staff at DGV is that the day staff had to sell tickets in order to survive and make money and make the numbers up on the events whereas the night staff main job was just to get people into the club, but they also did sell free bars to try and get numbers at the start of the night and make a bit of commission for themselves. First night of work, done. Followed by a big piss-up with the rest of the DGV staff. Lovely. We even had the staff from other companies joining us for a drink at the start of the season in 2012, as not everywhere was opened. Like I mentioned, there were staff from the party boat and the staff from party crew on our flight over to Sunny Beach who needed a watering hole whilst they waited for their clubs that their company owned to open, so would often join us on the piss in our bar. One of the lads in particular me and Watsy got really friendly with was a Cockney lad called Ricky. Ricky was possibly one of the funniest characters I've met over in Bulgaria over the years, and he only worked out there for one season, but Christ, he was funny. It was a happy-go-lucky lad, he was kind of like a stray dog. Wherever you went, he came with you, but me and Watsy formed a great bond with him at the start of the season. He dragged his party boat colleagues along to DGV with him for a booze up with us, and I remember one night a girl that he worked with was on the drink with us as well. It became pretty normal for Ricky to crash with me and Watsy at Zornitsa, as his hotel was around a 15-minute walk from DGV, and he was always too hammered to walk it. And this particular night, him and Watsy had gone to our room a little earlier than I did. I'd stayed out a bit longer with the girl who the, who Ricky worked with. And after a few drinks, we'd both gone back to my room to discover Ricky and Watsy sprawled out on both of the beds. We thought we'd take it to the balcony, and one thing led to another. And the next thing you know, it was lights, camera, action. No, literally, it was lights, camera, action, as I saw the curtain twitch and a phone, uh, phone quickly move away from the curtain. We both got dressed, went inside, and Ricky and Watsy was absolutely pissing themselves with laughter. They was in tears. I didn't, I didn't think much of it. I thought they were just both being peeping Tom's. But how wrong was I? The next day, I was the last person awake, and I went down the strip, and people were coming up to me saying, ''I've seen that video. You legend.'' And I thought to myself, ''What video?'' Had I been funny in the nightclub the night before? Nah. Watsy and Ricky pretended to be asleep when we'd got home and they they thought it would be a good idea to record the action through the curtain and everybody had seen the video. I wasn't too bothered at the time and it got a lot of people laughing in Resort and everybody soon knew who I was, but I felt more sorry for the girl she was fucking fuming at first, but eventually saw the funny side of it. And when I saw Watsy, I just burst out laughing and said, you fucking, you fucking didn't. And then he showed me the video himself and he was in floods of tears laughing and gave me a pat on the back and said, I've never seen a fat man, movies are so fast. <laughs> Pretty much all the workers in the resort had seen the video and the lads in the resort thought it were brilliant and the girls in the resort were just more like, was that you? And looking back, it was funny but highly illegal what the two lads done but at least it didn't end up on Pornhub and I could I could have said that it wasn't me as camera phones back then was only like 2 megapixels anyway so it was a bit grainy and it wasn't exactly a Steven Spielberg production. Anyway, back to the hotel, Zornitsa. Whilst, living, whilst we was living in there, there was a bar school going on. Utopia Bar School, it was called. And they was teaching young Danish and Swedish people who wanted to work behind the bar at the Viking how to do cocktail flaring and cocktail making, etc., For what it was, it sounded really expensive and a bit of a con to be honest as I've never met a bartender in the UK needing a qualification to work behind the bar but I suppose that they could take their qualification to a fancy cocktail bar or restaurant back home and work there too if they wanted. The best thing about it was is that there was loads of Scandy girls on the course so there was plenty of eye candy knocking around our hotel. Me and Watsy would often try and flirt with the girls and fail miserably for two reasons really. One, they didn't speak much English, and two, me and Watsy didn't know a word of Danish between us, and I'll add another one on, three, we wasn't the most approachable young men back in 2012. We'd get pally with a few people on that course though, and the majority of them would actually end up being our friends who worked with us at DGV. I forgot to mention in the last episode that I thought it'd be a good idea to bring my Xbox this season across the sunny beach with me, just for the start of the season, to host a few FIFA tournaments, and the good folks at said let us use the big screens to play FIFA on. We'd do tournaments and the loser would would often have to do a forfeit, and I remember one in particular tournament, the lad who lost had to get Watsy tattooed on his ass. There would also be drinking forfeits for tournaments and throughout the season would get used, good use out of the Xbox when we wanted a lad's night in, especially in the high season when it was a bit too busy in the club. I got used to the lifestyle at DGV really quickly. Everybody was friendly and new staff were arriving every day at the start of the season and I was soon to have around 120 colleagues. Forty-day staff, 40 night staff, bartenders, security, cleaners, managers, toilet attendants, and buzzboys who were the guys who stocked the bars. I'll now get on to the reason why the club manager Pimp was called Pimp. There was a game in the Viking that if you slept with somebody that had slept with somebody else, then you owe them 10 levs, and you have to write on the note two, insert name here, for insert name here, from insert name here and whoever, whoever was their manager, you'd have to pay them 5 LEVs as, as well. However, if you slept with somebody you'd slept with 3 other members of staff, you'd have to pay 3 times 10 LEVs, and then the 5 LEVs are charged to the manager as well. This game could get very expensive for some people, as you can imagine, and there were some staff who was worth over 100 LEVs, so you had to be very careful and do your research before even thinking of sleeping with somebody who worked at DGV. Some people even saw the opposite sex as investments, as if there was the first person to sleep with them, then whoever slept with them after that, it would make them some good money. We all had investments and big losses granted, but it did make for a lot of fun, as weird as sick as it sounds. Hence the name Pimp, because he collected all the money from his staff, who slept with other staff. It must be noted that everybody understood the rules of this game and it was just for fun and it was by no way or means prostitution in case you was wondering. Our time at Zornitzer was over and we had to get moved to our new apartment which was at a place called Central which I'll get onto in the next episode but the night before we moved from Zornitzer, me and Watsy started drinking from our minibar or should I say the 1980s fridge. It was stacked with Mackays which were clear in colour but the bottle was white and the cap... The caps for them were twist caps. We drank the fucking lot before moving on to the chill out bar. However, the next morning, we saw what we'd drank and then double checked the price list and shit ourselves. It was like five levels a bottle, which for a worker, you really don't want to be paying, especially when there's like 15 to 20 bottles which have been drank. So I had the the genius idea to pick up all of the twist-off caps, fill the bottles up with tap water from the bathroom, screw all the caps back on, and then put them back in the fridge. As we went to hand our keys into reception, they told us that we need, they needed to do a room inspection before us giving our passports and us moving on to our next accommodation, to which Watsey told me, your shitty plan has fucked it now. 20 minutes had passed and the inspection fella gave the lady on this reception the reception the nod, which pretty much meant everything was all good. I still feel a bit guilty now that the next lot of people who stayed in that room paid 5 levs per bottle for bottles of Bulgarian tap water, but it was a solid trick. One of the best things about getting out at the start of the season in early May is that you got to attend every opening party that the resort had to offer. Some would be good, some would be shit, and some would be proper dog shit. But we're now at the start of June of 2012, and things were starting to open up properly, and more and more tourists were flocking to our slice of paradise. Me and Watsy were about to move to over to our new accommodation and I got sick of the sight of his hairy arse every morning so it was going to be next door neighbours rather than roommates with a bunch of lads who I'll never forget. I'd had a taste of what DGV had to offer and was about to open the club which I was really excited for as one bar was about to become six and the resort was about to get absolutely rammed. Hotel Central, we're coming for you.